It's time for another episode of the Parkrun Adventurers. My name is Scott. Welcome, Mel Urbeka. Welcome. I am welcome. <laughs> Any adventures on the weekend for you, Mel? Ah, oh, I didn't have exactly Parkrun adventure adventures, but I did um, on Saturday night. I I had a bit of a an adventure with some Parkrun chicks some Sunshine Coast running chicks who uh, are also all avid park runners. And we decided it was well and truly time to have a girls' night out. So we went out to dinner and we took ourselves bowling, 10-pin bowling. That that was interesting. I, I was actually sore in the arm muscles all the next day. So um, obviously I need to start doing something with my upper body so that that doesn't happen in the future. How about you, Scotty? Did you get up to any shenanigans on the weekend? Well, we're not going to just, you know, pass over this 10-pin bowling thing. <laughs> I'm curious if you went 10-pin bowling. It's not 1984. Oh, but it is. If you go to a bowling alley, it is still 1984 and they do disco bowling and I'm pretty sure, judging by the carpets and the the furniture that nothing has actually changed in the last 30 years. So it was good. It was quality. I'm not sure the balls have changed in all that time either. Um, God only knows, you know, how many fingers have been put in those things. But And the idea of wearing somebody else's shoes, you know, it, that still happens. But you know what I was thinking? That bowling shoes are very cool looking. And if somebody designed some running shoes that looked like bowling shoes on you know the outside but were just built as running shoes you would make a fortune an absolute fortune because what you would think would be a niche market would be just massive and everybody would want to buy them I would buy them you know and they would be very cool let's not talk about this too much because we're going to give people some ideas but I think that's a great idea too because running shoes are all really they're quite daggy. They are. We need we need to shake them up a bit, I reckon. We need some hipster shoes. I reckon there'll be a few stores in Melbourne that could take up the challenge to produce some half-decent-looking running shoes. I just brought a new pair a couple of weeks ago, and they're grey. Oh, no. It's like I've even given up contemplating just getting shoes that look good because they all look hideous these days. Yeah, they, they look like those you know, cars that they put the bright colours on and then they put those decals on the side that's like a wave or a splash or something and you just know in 20 minutes that's going to look dated and terrible and a bad idea. And a lot of shoes really are like that now. I've got a bit of see-through teal plastic running up the side of my shoes. but It serves no purpose. <laughs> yeah, it's going to come off pretty soon. Oh. We, we need to get talking to Nike and Adidas and Asics and all those ho- Hoka, Hoka, however you want to pronounce it, all those big running guys. And, yeah, we need to get some parkrun adventurer shoe line happening. Oh, I like that. So we've moved on from the leg warmers. Yep, to actual to foot. Bowling shoe-styled runners. Everybody, you heard it here first. If anyone else tries to claim they thought of it sooner, they're lying. So you took the parkrun social. You took it outside of parkrun. Yeah, we did. Well, the the thing is, the ladies that I actually went bowling with, they're all from different parkruns now. So we all started out at the same parkrun, but now they've they've moved on to different events because they're closer or they've become event directors themselves. And, yeah, it's it's good. It's a good way to bring it all back to the same family and socialise outside of parkrun and still see the people that you used to see at parkrun and are still parkrunning, but you don't get to see so much anymore. And we had a good night. Going to do it again soon. Sounds good. I did a similar sort of thing today. Let, let's peel back the curtain a little bit here for our listeners. We don't record this on Wednesday. So this morning I went out and I went running with my mates. But it was parkrun related. We tested out some courses for a new parkrun, and I couldn't. Th- I just, I just called up my mates or sent them messages and said, "Let's go for a run." So it really was an excuse 
to have a social run. But it was also a bit of an eye-opener to what is in store this Sunday on the longest run. We touched on the longest run a couple of episodes back. This is where you can run a you can run up to seven or as many as you want freedom runs in one day. I've never done it and I thought it sounded easy. You know, it's only five K each time and you get a nice big rest in between. But today we did we did three courses and I'm telling you now, by the time I got to the third, there were some groans. <laughs> you didn't believe me the last time when I said it, did you? I didn't. Fuck, <laughs> it's easy. Do it a few times in a row. There's this whole stopping, cooling down, getting in the car. Stuff starts to seize up. Yeah, maybe mentally switching off and then switching back on again. So as much as I'm looking forward to the longest run on Sunday, I just might not get through seven. You might have to to volunteer to time or something at a couple of the events. Yeah. I might give um, Westerfolds a miss because that's got a bloody big hill. <laughs> you love the hill at Westerfolds. What are you talking about? Yeah, but not... When I've got another 30k to run after it. Was. Well, we'll see. But I am looking forward to it. And so how, how are you feeling now? So that was during the day there were some groans. Have you got any repercussions? Oh, I'm still groaning. <laughs> I'm fearful of getting up out of this chair at the end of the <laughs> Well, oh, I'm... Maybe we shouldn't have mentioned this now, though, because people are going to listen to the podcast before they head out for the longest run, and, and you might make people rethink what they're going to do. If they're, if they're of the male persuasion, they're, they're in the same boat that I was a couple of weeks ago. They're not going to believe you. No, they're not going to believe me until it actually happens. <laughs> so until you've done it, you can't understand it. Oh, I cannot wait for longest run this weekend, actually. Very, very excited. Yeah, so am I. It's going to be a real day, real adventure, and it's going to be—it's going to be social. Like I'm not doing it for the fitness and running side of it, really. I'm really looking forward to catching up with some other park runners that I don't get to park run with anymore. Big time. Yeah, there's so many events in Melbourne these days, and there's some guys over in the West who I hope are going to come over and run and. Grown. Yeah, grown. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It's not just going to be the people that you already do know either. You're going to meet so many new people that, you know, have been park running all this time and you didn't know. And, yeah, great way to meet new friends from other events that you've never happened to run with before. This is true because I am, I'm, I am making new friends over at Studley because I have this – Try and talk to someone you've never spoke to before, spoken to before each week. And when you're starting the new event, I'm meeting all these awesome people at Studley. Great. And now I get to do it all again on Sunday. Double the fun. Well, eight times the fun for the whole weekend, if you think about it. You should try to meet a new person at every single one of the runs. I will try. Mission... Accepted. Are you doing eight? No, no, I'm talking about on Saturday, you've got your normal park run, and then you've got seven on longest run day. I'm good at maths sometimes. Well, I'm not. <laughs> okay, so that's all happening next weekend. Weekend just passed. We saw another powwow take place down in Lonnie. Um, a bunch of event directors and people from park run around the country headed there. And Ben Brockman, who is the ED at Devonport Park Run, was our roving adventurer. Take it away, Ben. G'day, guys. Ben here reporting for the Park Run Adventurers. I'm Dan Launceston for the event team uh, Powwow. Basically, the Powwow is a bit of a get-together for, uh, for event teams from across the country. So I think down here in Launceston, we've got about eight different park runs uh, represented, as well as um, head office with uh, Tim Moberg down here. Um, so basically we went out for dinner last night, uh, then today we're going down to do Launceston Park Run, 
followed by a bit of a Q&A with Tim, and then we've got the Launceston 10 tomorrow. Uh, a lot of flooding in Tasmania this week, so there was a bit of a bit of touch and go whether Launceston Park Run was going to go ahead, but it sounds like the course is okay, might be a little bit damp, but um, we're good to go. So about to head down there, and we'll um, try and chat to some of the uh, the other ETs over there. All right. All right, I'm just here with some of the event team from uh, Lakeview Park Run and uh, Elkie, the event director. How'd you find it today, Elkie, at uh, Launceston Park Run? It was definitely cool. <laughs> uh, maybe not as co- uh, well cooler than what we get at the lovely um, Lakeview at, there at Belmont Lake Macquarie. Um, but we we're very happy to um, come down to Tasmania for some of us. It's our first trip to Tassie and it's been lovely so far. Hey! Yay! Yeah, we brought six of us down. Yeah, great. Excellent. Husbands and, and wives and always an excuse to park run when you're on holidays. Yeah, doing your bit for the local Tassie economy then. Yeah, yeah, why not, why not? Yeah, spending some money. Yeah, excellent. And we'll have you run in the uh, Launceston 10 tomorrow then? Yeah, well, why not? Well, yeah. when you're here to do a park run, you might as well hang around and um, take a bit of nice Tassie bling home. Yeah. Um, we'll also get to see some of the sites of um, the CBD I'm gathering. Yeah, no doubt, yep. Um, yeah, it runs the, the, uh, the CBD along the, uh, the, road, the, uh, the highway, so um, So today great. was really just a warm-up. Um, out for our 5k, so tomorrow will be a, a, a top run for us all for, for 10k's. Well, one of our group of six won't be running, he'll be holding the jumpers, but that's yeah, why he did okay. his first park run today. And he's just snuck off, so we can't get him for the interview yeah. on the podcast, yeah. so um, never mind, never well done, Trev, for your first run. I'm sure, he'd, um, I'm sure he'd say that, you know, he enjoyed it and he can't wait for, for next, park run again for next park run day. Yeah, we might see him at Wagga Park Run, maybe on the event team, perhaps. Yeah, sounds fantastic. All right, I'm just here with uh, with Tim Oberg, head of Parkrun Australia. We just finished uh, Launceston Parkrun this morning. How'd you go with it, Tim? Yeah, Ben, it was great. I, I haven't been here since we, we launched the event, and I didn't actually get to run that day because I was helping all the volunteers. So this was my first uh, official run at Lonnie Parkrun, and it was an absolutely beautiful course. And uh, very soft underfoot, which is great. Uh, and we're very lucky because, as most people are probably aware, there's been some terrible flooding here in uh, northern Tasmania in the last week. And it's all gone down in time for parkrun day. So, yeah, it was a really, really good run. Yeah, great. Yeah, very lucky with the day today. And um, lots of some 10 tomorrow, mate. That's it, the Lonnie 10 tomorrow, one of the great iconic Australian road races. So really looking forward to, to having a run around the streets of Lonnie. Everyone tells me it's an extremely fast course. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully do a, a good time. And, uh, yeah, it's always it's just wonderful to be in Tasmania. I love visiting here. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks for coming down, Tim. Um, yeah, PB Central at Launceston 10 tomorrow. So <laughs> thanks, mate. Right. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> All right, I'm just here with uh, Alan, the event director at Shepparton, and uh, Pete, the event director at Coburg. We've just done the, uh, the Q&A with, with Tim Oberg after the, uh, the event team power hour. Um, both of your first runs at, uh, at Launceston this weekend then? Was, first, yeah. uh, first first park run? Yeah, uh, my first Tasmanian trip. Yeah, yeah very, great. Very enjoyable, yeah. And how'd you find, Alan? Uh, good, yeah. We, uh, well, I was one of the ones that done a, a bit extra in the park run this morning. But it was good, <laughs> so it was really enjoyable. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, yeah, it was good. And Pete, found the course all right? Yeah, yeah, I was one of the ones who did the 5K. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, it's a lovely course. and uh, wasn't too flooded, so that was good. Yeah, great. Yeah, we were lucky with the, uh, with the weather in the end this weekend. And uh, running Launceston 10 tomorrow, guys? Yes, yeah, 10 tomorrow would be good. Uh, yeah. It would be good. I mean, run around uh, Launceston at all would be uh, very enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. great. Nice, fast, uh, flat course. So PB's around, I'm sure. <laughs> Gu- guaranteed a, a Tasmanian. 10k pb tasmanian 10k pb and i think it actually crosses a uh, a bridge as well so oh, scott Mr. trickett's pretty keen on easy. that so um oh, yeah. it crossed the bridge twice so uh, can uh, we uh, put uh, trickett's bridge down as this one as well or not yeah go for it put, yeah, the, put the chalk on the path and um i'm sure scott will be uh, pretty stoked with that <laughs> all right well um enjoy the rest of the time in uh, in launceston guys great to meet you this weekend cheers man. all right thank you Great job there, Ben, with the roving adventuring down at the powwow. Sounds like you guys all had a wonderful weekend. Glad the weather held out for you. He's got quite the radio voice, Ben. I think he's going to be on the pod pretty soon. Definitely. And I like that he's looking out for me with my bridges too. (laughs) I think we can step it up from the chalk though now, boys. I think... um, Permanent signage, you think? Well... Maybe a banner? Something. Chalk's been done. We've got to come up with the next thing. No pressure, guys. And we're very lucky to be joined in the studio now, or the virtual studio, 
with a parkrun adventurer who has just recently completed a bit of a big deal of an event and she's a wonderful park runner from Queensland and her name is Rochelle Vazenen. Rochelle, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So let's get started. You had you had a bit of a big deal event on Sunday. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Uh, definitely. Uh, so on Sunday, I competed in the Cairns 70.3, so half Ironman as it's also known. Um, and it's also running conjunction with the full Ironman event up in Cairns. What was the weather like? Uh, well, the days leading up to it was picture perfect, hardly any breeze, blue skies. And then Saturday afternoon, the winds picked up, it got a bit grey. And then Sunday morning, just before five o'clock, the first raindrops started. Um, and then the first downpour happened about 20 minutes later. And uh, it was pretty much torrential for most of the day. So it was very tough conditions out there. The swim section, you, you did that in the open water, right? Correct, yes. Don't they have crocodiles up in Cairns or, or near thereabouts? They do, and it's always a talking point of conversation. And it was quite interesting because we were standing in the swim start and there's a triathlon club called um, the Club Crocs or something like that. And the commentator was saying that there's 140 members of club crocodile and uh everyone everyone heard was 140 in crocodiles and there was a bit of panic in the start line then we realized he was actually talking about a triathlon club but um yes no crocs sighted and we thought if we see any boats coming towards us swim faster yeah i I imagine that would be quite the motivation to go a little bit faster yes it's quite lucky the the water's quite sandy and murky you can't actually see anything i think if it was a clear bottom it might be a bit more scary do you, but when you when you actually swim into other people, do you freak out and think, oh, my God, that could be a crocodile? No, oh, I didn't have any of those thoughts. More <laughs> if, I, if someone swims into me, it's more a head to the, you know, someone's whacked your head so you definitely know it's um, a person rather than a crocodile, although it could be a crocodile. But, no, I, I didn't have any of those thoughts throughout the race. Well, I would have drowned in the first 10 metres, so kudos. I imagine building up to this, that's not something you just think about. How long in the making was your decision to do a 70.3? Well, it's actually been about three years in the making for me. Um, I first started triathlons back in 2013 in London. And not long after, uh, about six months into triathlons, I had a friend training for an Ironman and put these crazy ideas in my head. And um, I thought, right, I'm going to sign up. I'm going to do a 70.3. And then a month later, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. So that put those plans on hold. Um, but fast forward until um, about six months ago, I decided all my treatment was done, all my surgeries were done, and I was like, now's the time that I want to start training. So I, I said about six months uh, for myself to train for this event. With your diagnosis, that must have obviously halted any training on and off, I guess, over, over the years that followed uh definitely but i was i was very fortunate that being active and fit um before treatment definitely helped me to be able to remain active throughout treatment um and this is where park runs come in also um i still ran and did park run when i could um and you know just having that throughout treatment every saturday was my motivation um and then surgeries of course you know especially with breast cancer you know rebuilding things like swimming all of those things you have to build your strength back up um and obviously during chemotherapy i wasn't able to do any specific triathlon training with swimming and cycling just because of can't get in a public pool because of germs and if i fell off a bike and broke something the body can't heal itself so i was a bit limited so i stuck to running uh during that time isn't it interesting that riding a bike is classified as as a higher risk for you know falling off and hurting yourself i'll let my husband know that he's recently taken up cycling rochelle can we take it back to that you are a breast cancer survivor was that a <laughs> motivating factor for you to do this how much of a motivating factor was it during your iron man oh it was you know it's about regaining your life again. I think just because I'd made that decision before I was diagnosed. So for me to get back to that point, 
was just, you know, you realize what you've been able to get through and achieving things that a lot of people can't even fathom uh, completing a race like that. And uh, I have to say I was a bit of a blubbery mess when I crossed the finishing line and it was just that overwhelming sense of achievement and not just achievement in completing the race but achievement of getting through everything that I had to get through to get back to that point. Nothing wrong with being a blubbering mess. You know, <laughs> I, I would be too if I'd got through the same yeah, distance, let alone with what you went through to get there. Def yeah, definitely. It was, um, yeah, it's it's quite hard to put into words sometimes. Just uh, and also, um, a lot of friends they see you doing this and they see that well, you've been through breast cancer and you've had chemotherapy and all these surgeries, and you can still go and do this. And it, I think it motivates a lot of other people to know that they can achieve things that they may not think that they can. Have you got another goal? Are you thinking about the full? Um, no, no fools at this stage. I'll quite happily do a few more halves, but um, uh, I was in awe watching the people completing the full. I was sitting on my balcony having a champagne and I just thought, oh, they're still going. <laughs> and um, so there's no desire just yet to, um, to do the full distance. I'm quite happy with doing the half distance. Sometimes that's a sensible decision. If you cross the finish line, you're thinking, oh, maybe I should do the full and then you um, see how painful the full is. And it's still going through the night, definitely. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. So what role did Parkrun play in all this? Given that you could only run, Parkrun was perfect for that. Yes, it was. Um, so I actually started doing Parkrun when I was in the UK. There was a local one uh, about 3K away from me. And um, so when I was diagnosed, I came back to Australia for my treatment and went back to live in Ipswich with my family. And one of the first things I did was jump online to see if there was a local park run. And there wasn't. And I wasn't aware um, Augustine Heights is the uh, closest one, but I didn't realize how close it was. And so um, a week later before my first surgery, I went for a run. And while I was running, I remember on the homepage, I saw there was a link to say, start your own park run. So I went home and I clicked the link. And, and then a, a few days later, I got an email from Sarah Logan and sort of started the ball rolling with starting my own park run in Ipswich. And how did that go? Obviously, Ipswich has been running for a couple of years now. Is that correct? It will be uh, next February will be its two-year uh, anniversary. So it took about six months to launch and uh, amazing support from uh, Tim and Sarah. Um, it was quite daunting for me because I hadn't lived in Ipswich for 13 years now, so I didn't really know too many people and I thought, well, how am I going to find volunteers? Um, how am I going to do this? But I had great support from the council and Ipswich Hospital Foundation. Um, and now, you know, it's they get an average 120 runners uh, each week. It's fantastic. And I've uh, relinquished my duties there now because I've moved to Brisbane. But um, Kay Sherlock's doing an amazing job. She took over from me and it's been a really successful um, event. We have noted that you've got a fantastic volunteer record. You've volunteered 75 yeah. times. So, yeah. <laughs> did that mean your running was limited while you were involved with the Ipswich Park Run? Uh, it was, and um, but that was okay for me. I I finished chemotherapy a week before we launched, and so that time was just for me to sort of rebuild my strength. And I and I was just happy to get the event up and running and dedicate that time to sort of. Uh, training people and just being being the um, event director there. So, but no, everyone sort of encouraged me and they would say, oh, we'll, we'll take over from you this week if you want to run. And um, so the community was very supportive with my journey, getting back to fitness um, post-treatment also. You discovered parkrun in the UK. So how do UK and Aussie parkruns compare? In the UK, you were running at Highbury Fields. Well, that one's a, around a tiny little park as it is in London, little parks around the place. And it's a five, I think it was a five lap course. So a little bit different to, um, and it's a lot flatter compared to, I don't know if you've ever done Ipswich, Queensland, but there's a lot of hills in Ipswich, which you can't avoid. So um, it was, a, yeah, it was a big shock when I came back to Ipswich to try and put a course together because we've got all this space and I was sort of looking for a tiny little place just to do a, a replica of hybrid um, fields. 
So we haven't actually had an opportunity to talk about the Ipswich Queensland course on the podcast yet. Can you give us a bit of a course description? Okay, so um, where we start, you sort of it's all within one large park, but there's a few sort of um, hills involved, and it's a two lap course, so it's a two two by two and a half k, and um, I think there's about one small climb and then two sort of large climbs but it's always nice because you finish downhill and I think if you're going to finish downhill rather than finishing uphill so um, it's quite a challenging course and I get a lot of grief and um, each time I actually go and run it myself all the locals you know give me a a few words along the way sort of reminding me that I was the one that designed it but um, no it's I think they love it at the same time. Well, you can't make everybody happy and and it's one of those sorts of things, I guess, when you're putting hills on courses that people are going to have a love-hate relationship with it, but they still keep coming back. Exactly, exactly. So now you have actually done a few of other events around Queensland. You've been to Kedron, Augustine Heights, Rocks Riverside, Kira. Have you got a favourite outside of Ipswich, Queensland? Oh, well, Kira was beautiful. I mean, anything along a beach is um, not too bad for scenery-wise. Um, yeah, I think sometimes the Kedron's a bit like Kira where it's flat out and back, but I think they can be quite tough because you sort of have to keep pushing the whole way. Um, Augustine Heights was beautiful as well, but, yeah, I think probably Kira. Kira so far is my favourite. I really wanted to try Cairns while I was up there, but I thought it probably wasn't a good idea before race day because I might push a little bit too hard. You might have to get back there and have a crack sometime. Yes. Well, I'm going to um, South Africa in Cape Town uh, September this year, so I'm hoping to try one of their courses while I'm there. Oh, that will be a fantastic adventure. Mm, Definitely. I'm looking forward to it. Well, thank you so much, Rochelle, for joining us on the podcast and sharing your adventures with us. You've you've had a massive journey getting to the 70.3, so congratulations on getting in under your goal time and, you know, finishing it without drowning or being eaten by a crocodile or coming off the dangerous bike in the wet. So thank you very much. Thanks for having me. If any of our listeners want to check out your blog, all they have to do is go to cancertriathlon.com. Joining us on the pod this week is the King of the Mount. We're joined by Phil Ackland, ED of Mount Gambier. Welcome, Phil. Hi, Scott. Hi, Mel. Is that how they refer to you around Mount Gambier? The King of the Mount? <laughs> or have I just come up with that? I think you've just come up with that on the spot. No, I've never heard that one before, but maybe I'll take that. No, that's a new one. Well, Mount Gambier, I love Mount Gambier. A lot of good people come out of Mount Gambia. One of my best friends in life comes out of Mount Gambia. And the Mount Gambia course, which I have run and visited, is also one of the best park runs going around. Tell us a bit about the course because it's, it's, it's known for this lake right in the middle. Yes, yeah, so the course goes around the Blue Lake in Mount Gambia. Um, figured if we were going to have a park run in Mount Gambia, it had to go around the Blue Lake. So, yeah, it's a, the scenery through there is fantastic. Um, there's a little bit of climbing involved. I've heard it described as an out and back that's uphill in both directions by someone that visited. So, yeah. It is so tough. So we're to the middle and you've got to come back over the top. Yeah, it is tough. It's got a nice climb on it. It does. That, yeah, the return trip catches people. But the scenery kind of takes takes the sting out of that and, if you're a tourist especially, you, yeah, you wouldn't even notice it's there, would you? I certainly did. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, you might might notice it there. And the blue lake, I think it was green when I was there. It's not always blue, is it? No, it's not. It sort of seasonally changes colour. So during the, the summer months, in particular on Little either side, it's it's really quite a bright, uh, bright blue and then during the, the winter months, it sort of changes to more of a, a greyish, looks like your yeah, regular lake kind of colour through the rest of the year. But yeah, during the summer, during its peak, it's really quite bright. Now, Phil, you've got a lake. 
and you it but it's an out and back course so is the lake more than five kilometers to go all the way around or what what was the thought process behind that uh the lake the trip around the lake and there, there is a, a walking path it's a very commonly used walking track walking slash running track in town um it's a bit shorter than 5Ks if you do one circuit of it. So we needed to either add something to it or um, – and there's the section that we don't use is actually quite a bit more narrow with some obstructions with guard railing and things like that. So um, it just worked better to be an out and back sort of around the back of the lake and, and returning to the start line. I'm also a fan of the, the out and back course style as well for park runs. Um, because of their social nature then. So everyone sees everyone else on course at, at particular times. So I think they work quite well in that respect. I would agree with you there. I think that might be something we need to get Mr Hay on to for facts in a haystack is, is finding out what the proportion of events across Australia are out and back versus loops or different kinds of events because you don't really hear about too many loop courses you hear about like multi-lap courses but not too many just single loop ones yeah i think the single loop ones if you're after a a faster for those looking for a faster trip around uh, i think the loop courses would would tick that box better because everyone stays spread out but um yeah the out and back i I like the the social angle of that and obviously with parkrun that's a quite a an important factor. Nambour Park runs a loop. I don't think you could say it would be faster. Depending on the other variable. Yeah. Well, same with Westervolts. That's a loop. And I think that's one of the slowest park runs going around. Yeah, there's a bit of climbing in that one too, isn't there, Scott? There is. But I, I still reckon there's more climbing at Mount Gambia. Yeah, they're, they're different. Now, you're a running coach, fitness coach, by as your trade. And you really love running, running long distances, don't you? I have found a bit of an interest in that, yes. Where did the interest come from? Yeah. How did you decide to dis- decide to run 160-kilometre races? Um, it kind of, I think the common story is it develops into that. So I started out with, you know, the shorter events. Um, I think my first event was a 10K. This is pre-park run days. Um Became interested in that, looked for the, the half marathon distance into marathons and so on. I think I then went on to, got involved with the obstacle course events and did several of those. Uh, I think that sort of led me, led the interest into trail running, uh, being off-road and kind of followed the process there from looking for bigger and bigger challenges. So for me, it's a lot about the it's the challenge of trying something you don't necessarily know you can do and something that you can't always achieve but it's that challenging going out and seeing if you can actually do it so it's just sort of developed over a period of years and not over a a night with some friends and alcohol (laughs) i'm sure there's been those moments along the way (laughs) this yeah hold my beer watch this kind of moments (laughs) no but it's really just sort of growing, yeah, just looking for that next next personal challenge, I think. So, and it's been a mixed bag of successes and not so not so great successes, but, you know, always learning something out of one thing to take into the next and, and building on that. If it was easy, everyone would do it. Yeah, that's it. So the, a common question is, well, how did you know you could do that? Well, I didn't. <laughs> didn't know I could do it, but, yeah. That's kind of part of the point. UTA uh, last month didn't go anywhere near as well as I'd hoped and didn't finish that either. So that was about 70 k's through that. Um, and the last stage of it was just, yeah, just floundering along in the dark on the trails and, yeah, just got to a point. I've been kind of struggling with various things for about 10 hours worth and, and now that's that's about all I can put myself through. Yeah, they don't all, all go to plan. What are you thinking when you know you're not going to get there? Like you? Um, it depends on what stage that's at. Because, I mean, even on a good – an event that goes well, there's still those times where you just really hit flat spots and lows and wonder what the hell you're doing and why you're doing it sort of stuff. But 
it's usually just about getting to the managing it to the next checkpoint where you you do what you got to do there and get yourself sorted and head back out again. Um, like in the case of say UTA this year, where I'd already done that a couple of stages, where just getting to the next checkpoint and that's, you've got to have a line in the sand somewhere. Like what does this event mean to you? How much are you going to? How big a hole are you going to dig into? Are you prepared to dig into to get it finished? Uh, and I kind of got to my line in the sand with that one, yeah, with all the the other bigger picture things that were going on, and coming up, and you know, you've still got to get out of there and get back home and go to work and and so on. So, so yeah, there was always the option to keep going, but you got to kind of think, well, what's going to happen next week and week after if I run myself that far into the hole? So <laughs> there's a lot you think about. Mm. Like you keep going just hoping you're going to feel better? Yeah, and sort of get to that, like knowing there's there's a, a checkpoint, an aid station coming up, because um, depending on how much time you've got left, like how much time there is for the event and, and so on, I mean you can stop and a strategy is to stop and have a sleep for an hour or so, you know, sleep for an hour, wake up, eat and drink and get back on your feet, so... Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of things to sort of weigh up when it's not working properly, and what are you prepared to do? And yeah, heaps to go through in your head, and the emotions that go with it. And yeah, it makes for an interesting day out. Just the idea that you're going to start a race where you could potentially have a sleep during it, wake up, and you'll <laughs> still have to keep going. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's. I mean, it's not a parkrun thing, is it? No, <laughs> sleep at the turnaround. Break break it down into the next couple of park runs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's just like three or four more park runs to go, and you get to the next spot. Yeah, and then we'll look at it there. So, and that yeah, at each of the checkpoints, it's then just reassessing. And um, so my wife Nikki sort of looks looks after me at the aid stations um, when that's a viable option. So we sort of work together as a bit of a team. Now, and she learns stuff along with me learning stuff, and that goes into the next one. So, um, so I mean, at UTA, by the time I got into checkpoint three, which is about 40, 47, 48 Ks, um, I, was, I was already not well at that point. So, got into there in the middle of the afternoon. It was really quite hot for what, yeah, for the Blue Mountains, especially. It was really quite warm. Uh, and actually, I sat there and said, look, forget the plan, need to rewrite it <laughs> and stayed there for about, it was about an hour 45 I was there and stopped and started, you know, getting some fluids in and some food and actually had a, a burger and a coffee before I left. What's your next challenge? Uh, my next next challenge lined up is I'll be at the Yu Yangs in July. Uh, my second attempt at the 100 mile there, so 100 mile, 160 kilometres, yeah. I attempted it last year and I got 105 kilometres out of that one um, and called it a day there. So so like I mentioned, I'm taking, taking what I've learnt from last year's look at it and everything else along the way in this year and having another attempt at it. Did they give you a medal for doing the 100? No. No, they didn't. No. You need to come up to Queensland because we have this event. Um, it's called the Glasshouse 100 and it's a 100 kilometre and a 100 miler and there's a 50k and a 30. But if you enter the 100 mile and you only, inverted commas only, do 100 kilometres, they decide to give you a medal for the 100 kilometres. Then you don't go home with any, with you know, nothing after killing yourself over a ridiculous amount of distance. Right. Well, the um, Yu Yangs this year they do have a hundred kilometre option that wasn't there last year, um, but you do have to decide up front and enter either of those events or one of the other events. And if you don't complete that, so if you don't complete the hundred mile and that's what you've entered, then it's a, a DNF, and well, you can come back the next year. <laughs> so, so tell me Phil so what is the feeling like when you've run 105k and effectively or not achieved what you wanted to uh, yeah it's a, 
it's an awkward one because in that um, you've run 105 kilometers or covered 105 kilometers, so that's it's quite a feat in itself. Um, so tell me when I'm explaining to to people later when I've come home, yeah, and you say, yeah, well, I only got 105 kilometers, yeah, then that comes across a little a little odd because it's it's a long way. But at the same time, I haven't completed what I set out to do. Um, so it's kind of got those couple of different angles to it. Um, so it's disappointment and it's, you always want to finish what you set out to do. That's um, why you enter these things and take on the challenge. But um, there's always something to learn from it and take from it. So yeah, there's a period of time where you kind of dwell on it a bit and it gets you a bit down, but then you pick yourself up and go through your your sort of mental notes or your, the notes you physically made about it and and see what you can take from it in a positive angle and, and put into the next one. It's 21 park runs. Can you imagine running your course 21 times in a row? <laughs> and it's, I mean, these longer events are more and more often getting referred to as a number of park runs. So it's be, definitely become um, a form of measurement for these events now. Certain number of park runs equals that event. Just wait, Athletics Australia is totally going to take it on as the new unit of measurement for all their events. I think so, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's why Tim entered into this whole partnership with them. Just to make it a unit of measurement, yeah. Yeah, I think. officially. <laughs> yeah, but how many park runs is it? Oh. <laughs> exactly. Everybody, I mean, nobody knows how far a mile is, but everyone understands the distance a park run is, so it makes sense to me. It's just two park runs. There you go. <laughs> it's getting used a lot, a lot more often in these. The longer runs, it's broken down into that unit of measurement. So it's it's good to see. And speaking of park runs, Phil, you recently became a territory director for Park Run Australia, and you have the distinction of being one of only, I believe, two territory directors that have events in two different states. How excited are you about that? Yeah, so sort of border crossing region. Yeah, I, well, I think that's a good thing. I quite like that it, it crosses the border. So there's um, at this stage one SA event and, and two Victorian with a few extra Victorian ones on the way. So um, I kind of like that it, it is that it ignores the, the state boundaries and, and has this geographical region about it. So. And have you got any events in the pipeline that are going to do an Albury-Wodonga type situation between SA and Victoria? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, events that will cross the border themselves, you mean? Yeah, absolutely. So one park run that will run in two states. Uh, unless someone sets one up on the Great Southwest Walk, you actually cross the border on that trail. So if someone sets one up there... <laughs> That would be a possibility, but probably unlikely. Could do Border Town. How far are you from Border Town? Uh, Border Town is about two and a half, two and a half hours away. Not a big town either. No, no, so I'm not sure about that one either. That's all right. We don't measure success by numbers of participants. And what about your adventuring, parkrun adventuring, Phil? You've got a few under your belt. You get over to Melbourne a fair bit. Yeah, I've done a few. My very very first park run uh, before Mount Gambier was was up was at Diamond Creek. Um, so, uh, so I've kind of got this attachment with Diamond Creek. It was, that was my first park run, and we visited there quite a bit. I have a, a sister-in-law that lives a couple of blocks away from the course as well. So, um, yeah, so I started there, and you know, Westerfolds isn't too far away from that either. So... Uh, and New Year's, the last two years we've been across and done the, the Christmas New Year doubles. Um, and so we've got a few in last year. So we got three in the two days. That's the way to do it. <laughs> it's a good valley, good valley trip then. I think I'd snuck in a, a New Year's Eve run at the Yangs as well before the New Year's Day ones. So really squeezed a lot into that one trip across. <laughs> Phil, thanks for coming on the podcast this week. It's great to catch up with the King of the Mount. (laughs) I don't think that's going to take on. 
No, I don't think it's going to take that. <laughs> no, I'll drop it because you do a regular radio bit, don't you? Uh, yeah, I have been on the radio a bit locally, yeah. Yep. Okay, so just, just get in the ear of the producer and just say, hey, instead of just calling me Phil from Parkrun, <laughs> go with King of the Mount. Mount can mean a lot of things, Scotty. I'm not sure everyone would fully understand what you're referring to. Well, that's yeah, we call it the mount all the time. Yeah, so. uh, okay, but in, in another direction now. So, uh, well, as somebody who's not a local, if you talk about the mount, it does sound a little bit suspicious. <laughs> just, just saying. <laughs> I'll pass that around and I'll see what we get. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Mel, you may remember back in episode eight, we caught up with Brad Beer, who is a parkrunner at Main Beach, and we set him a challenge. And that challenge was to run a slow parkrun. If I recall correctly, he had never run a parkrun over 20 minutes. No. So we just challenged him to set, to run one over 25 minutes. So really not that slow. But he got back to us during the week. And he did it. So well done, Brad. And he said he thoroughly enjoyed it too, which is no surprise to you or I. Wasn't he did did he did he not mention he was pacing? I think he did. Yeah, he helped someone achieve a goal. Which is always awesome. Good job, Brad. Adventure challenge completed. Now I snuck in another challenge in last week's episode for Brendan down at Shell Harbour. To talk like a pirate for the whole event. Well, actually, I didn't say the whole event. I said just for his run briefing. And he got back to us, and he also accepted the challenge. So well done, Brendan. We didn't get any audio of it, so I wonder if anybody sneakily recorded it for us and can still send it to us. I wouldn't hold your breath. (laughs) We might need to get him on the show just to give us a rendition, because I'm sure I couldn't do his pirate voice justice my pirate voices always sound like irish pirates and i'm not sure that's how everybody's accents go so i think we need to get him on okay i'm prepared to hear yours oh are you (laughs) that's that's very generous of you scotty just so we've got a reference point so if if i do get audio from brendan well you know what In September every year, there is an International Talk Like a Pirate Day. And I think, as a Parkrun Adventurers Challenge, the two of us should do an entire podcast with a pirate accent. So how about we take up that challenge and we leave our pirate accents until then? How long have I got? Till September. You've got till September to work on it. I think my pirate's a bit Scottish. (laughs) <laughs> Yours is Irish. It could be it could be really, really fun or it could be just terrible. So we'll let the listeners decide, I reckon. Yeah, let's frame a market. I reckon terrible would probably be coming in pretty short odds. But we've got till September to perfect it. We'll get practicing. Also on Facebook, we had Gary Nisbet let us know that there was a milestone event for himself and the Nisbet family at Kapalabar Park Run. They had three generations running together, all having joined the most events list. So Gary is the dad of David, who's the dad of Sienna. And Sienna ran her 20th event on Saturday. So well done, guys. I believe David's son was also there running his 10th event. So the whole Nisbet family is embracing the parkrun adventures and we love to see it. Great job, guys. I think they love parkrun. Just a little bit. We got something else right on last week's podcast. We did? Our geography was good. No. That would be a first. We, we took a guess where Gundawindi was without doing any research. And I was right. It was near the border. And you were right that it was inland. Well done, team adventurers. 
Thanks. Good on us. Thanks for letting us know, Peter Pullman. They all they all took an adventure out to the Gundawindi launch. Recorded a video. This is now. This is something though that always gets me. It's it's spelt Gundawindi, but it gets called Gundi, and I'm confused by that. Because and I have heard of people say Gundawindi as well, but there's definitely two O's. So Gundi. Yeah, it's Gundagai. Well, that's that's why I'm confused. I thought Gundi was Gundagai too, but no, turns out Gundawindi is Gundi. Where's Gundagai? That's it's in Queensland, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and it's in it's in, well, it could be New South Wales. I don't know. No, see now you're making me get my geography wrong. Don't ask me difficult questions. What I do know is that. Gundawindi Park Run is the newest star in the Southern Cross Circuit. So that will mean that people that were formerly stargazers possibly lost their stargazer status on the weekend and need to do some park run adventuring to get it back. Are we going to get to a point with the Southern Cross Circuit where there's more park runs than there are stars in the circuit? Well, no, they, they are. They're all stars. It's, it's a, like the Milky Way. Oh, okay. So I've I've shown up my lack of astrology. <laughs> Is it astrology? Astronomy. <laughs> oh man, we're not having it. Yeah, I think we need to move on to the next Facebook post. Melissa Ellis had three crazy Berwick Spring Park runners travelling to Shepparton this week, leaving the rain behind them, and enjoyed the sunny run at an absolutely beautiful course. So that's good to hear. Tell you what, Melissa Ellis is having a crack at being our number one adventurer. She's she's somewhere different every week. She's nailing it. Good job. Caro Voss. She was enjoying some interstate adventures at Rhodes Park One Park Run. You said Park One because you read onesie, didn't you? <laughs> because did you know that it was WWF? The World Wildlife Foundation. It was their onesie week. And she was dressed as a panda, a panda onesie. Not sure how that one slipped by, how I missed that one. Because I love the W at WF. Well, we should make a mental note for it for next year. And maybe we should see if we can get it rolled out across all park runs to do a WWF onesie park. It could be a park onesie. Did you did you get it? Yeah, there was a pun. <laughs> okay, obviously not a very good one. Moving right along to in for our puns and dad jokes segment coming up. <laughs> oh, they they're going to be going off like hot potatoes. Start building up. Start thinking of your dad jokes and your puns, particularly if you're going to be a guest on the program, because that's going to be our <laughs> opening question. On Instagram this week, we had Bunyville Trail Runners sharing a picture of two runners walking through a creek, and the caption last week's Bunyville Park Run. I'm pretty sure there's not normally a creek there and the water was very murky, muddy brown. So I'd be walking through it fairly delicately myself. Certainly don't want to twist an ankle in some hidden rocks. No, it's almost knee high. Mm. Uh, Do you know if they went ahead? Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure it wasn't cancelled. Good on you, Bunyaville Park Runners. They're a bit hardcore. Hey, TJ. Had a pick of a pooch on a seat overlooking a pond. Captioned lily pads and park dogs. She was at Balyang. Dirty Cheetahs had a pick of runners wearing cheetah ears at Chrissy Field Park Run. So we've got our park run adventurers heading over to San Francisco again. I can't wait to get to that one. Run, Joe, run. Grab the tourist shirt again this weekend as she took a trip over to Wyndham Vale Park Run. She went to launch four months ago. Managed 35 minutes. She was very pleased to see 29.27 in the results email. With her first case smashing it at 5.34. Run Joe Run is getting pretty fast. That's awesome work. Well done. Running Optimistic was volunteering at Park Run. Great start to her weekend. Hey at Chuggo Rocks. I'm assuming Chuggo Rocks is a friend. Will B1981 had his assistant photographer taking snaps along with him, volunteering 
For the morning, today was the coldest parkrun I have ever done. I was warmer standing in the rain last week. Well, it gets cold in Canberra, Will. That should be no surprise. It does. Fortunately, his assistant is one of the cutest parkrun assistant photographers I've ever seen. So that must have warmed the heart a little bit. She is cute. Tanya R.R. was at Nui Parkrun's fourth anniversary where they unveiled Westcott Way and some fantastic new course signage. They've got kilometre markers out on the Nui course now. And she said the new new Nui Parkrun signs are ace. Definitely agree with you there, Tanya. Yeah, they're pretty fancy. John Z. Webb, he enjoyed the Parkrun adventure. We heard from him when Ben... Caught up with him in his roving report earlier, and he took his father-in-law down for the trip. Beautiful course, and he'll be back for a faster crack. Heather's Happy Snaps said, found a park, did my run, brought my barcode, no scanners, sad face. Hashtag Broom needs a park run. I think Broom would be a fantastic place for a park run. Definitely keen to get over for one over there. Ray Macy had a beautiful pick of the sunrise. Nice morning for a run. Certainly was by the look of the pick. There were gorgeous sunrise picks all over the place this weekend, I think. Nod Lightyear said, Thanks, Laylaw Parkrun and the Warrenjeri Willem clan. Enjoying some time with my new friend, token number two, smiley face. We are new to each other. So I'm guessing he did quite a decent time on the weekend. Nod's getting really fast. Misspelt? Was it Stanthorpe? And it was a balmy two degrees. And she can finally feel her fingers again. I saw that pic. It looks like the ground was completely frosted. I don't imagine it would have been fun for barefoot runners. I don't care if they got soles like leather hide. Surely they must feel the cold. It's, it looks like ice, doesn't it? does but you know Stanthorpe Parkrun are actually having their um winter in July or no Christmas in July event in a few weeks time and they actually have a snow machine come out for that and of course though sometimes it does snow in Stanthorpe so if the weather gods are kind then perhaps they'll get the real thing as well but if they don't they still have a snow machine which is fairly impressive I must admit I do find it weird that like the events in inland Queensland are colder than they are down here at this time of the year. The world's a funny place. Yeah. We, we could get into climate change, but we're not that kind of podcast. Stick to astrology. <laughs> we had a little pick from Tesla Fox, who was getting some good parkrun tourism in between rounds of cross country. His last two parkruns were also anniversaries, Highlands on the left and Frog Hollow on the right. I've got to paint you a picture here. So he's got a picture of himself running and it's split in two. And behind him, there are two ladies looking fabulous in tutus on the left. And on the right, there is a gentleman dressed as the frog prince, which I just think is brilliant. So very nice that you're wearing the tribe sports shirts there, Tesla Fox. But where are your costumes? You've got a costume up for anniversaries, man. That's your challenge for the next one. Well, the next one in Melbourne, so Tesla Fox is a Melbourne runner. The next one is in gels in a couple of weeks. I expect to see a re... Not a, not, not a redraw, what are they called? A rematch. He is being shown up by the Frog Prince, I've got to say. We've <laughs> 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 I mean, to find out who that is. That's a brilliant costume. I'm, I'm loving it. It's got the crown on the head and everything. Dr. Scott Watkins was in Dusseldorf in Germany and shared a photo of a bridge taken from a bridge while on a running adventure in Germany. I took this photo while listening to the Parkrun Adventures podcast at the exact moment they asked for photos of when people were listening to the podcast. What are the chances of that, Scotty? It's like it was meant to be. A photo of a bridge from a bridge while listening to us. It's insane. It didn't doesn't look like summer in Germany, does it? No, no, it does not. It, it was very foggy there as well. Hey, busy, busy 
week for Instagram. Oh, busy week for all the social adventurers this week. It's great to see. I love having these stories shared with us every week. Makes me feel part of their adventures. Let's just quickly touch in on our Strava Club because we have a new member. Who is it? Well, Mr. Brendan Davies has joined our Strava Club. Ooh. I have a sneaky feeling he's going to be at number one on the leaderboard most weeks. Well, there's a challenge for the parkrun adventurers who are on Strava. So he's on holiday at the moment, and he smashed out 120k. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe he ran into a lot of big games that, you know, needed to be run away from. Well, his average pace was 428, so he might have been running away from something. Besides, if you're in a country like that, wouldn't you want to see as much of it as you could? I'd be running all over the place too. So Brendan's on there, and I'm just, again, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling down. Jeez, we've got a lot in this club now, and I still, no, can't find Rebel Rouser. Not in the top 100 this week, Mel. Didn't get out for many runs? I I ran, but here's the thing. I have recently become separated from my watch. So uh, it, it actually happened at the end of my Darwin trip. So none of my Darwin runs or anything that I've run since have been able to make it to Strava. Um, I can't Strava prove it. I, I can manually do the park run at the very least, but um, yeah, no, all the rest of it's gone. So it might be a little bit quiet on Strava from Rebel Rouser for a little while. While I wait for my watch to get returned to me. We're hoping the watch gets returned to me. Fingers crossed. If you're in Darwin and you found it, do the right thing. Also because my iPod is with it, so that would be great if they could both come back together. And my car keys. Yeah. So, this week, where's the cake, Scotty? Well, we've got the launch. At Burley Griffin. You reckon they're going to have cake in the ACT? It's been a while since they've had a launch. I think they might have cake. Yeah, I think they might. But we know they'll have cake at the anniversaries. And Corinne Glades are celebrating their second anniversary this weekend with a tutus and ties theme. Nice. North Shore in Queensland are celebrating their third anniversary with Fluoro Rage. That's an interesting take on fluoro. I don't know whether or not it's angry or it's just like one of those. Is it rage or is it supposed to be a rave? Maybe I typed that wrong. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think now I'm seriously thinking I meant to type rave as in one of those parties that you go to when you're young and have extra energy. Yeah, I can't imagine they're angry up at far north Queensland. What have they got to be angry about? Well, there's nothing angry about fluoro. Town of Seaside, where I know you will be, are celebrating their first anniversary. And they're working blue, so they're going with the blue theme. Blue for the seaside. And I'm very, very excited to be heading over there because cake. And also, this is a major milestone, you know. First anniversaries are always just a bit special. And who else is having their first anniversary? Scotty? Wangaratta in Victoria. They're going with a superheroes theme. Are you heading out that way? You were only there a couple of months ago. I was. Would love to have got up there, but not going to make it for their first anniversary. But good luck to Laura and her team. Beautiful parkrun. You must be looking forward to Town of Seaside this weekend, Mel. I am. It's been far too long between costumes. And define far too long. I think it's been about four or five weeks. What was the last occasion? Was it an anniversary or just for just for giggles? Just for giggles. Um, yeah, no, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was just because it had been too long. So I wore a costume when I was run directing last time, as you do. Yeah. So you're costuming up this week. Are you going to get a run in this week, or are you volunteering? Uh, no, I'm allegedly going to get a run in. So, 
So does that factor into what your costume is going to be this week? Because I know you're tossing up between a couple of ideas. No, it doesn't factor in at all. I, I always run in my costumes. It doesn't matter if they're not built for it. <laughs> as evidenced by being dressed as Slimer at last year's um, Noosa Park run and looking like a giant deflated booger for the entire five kilometres because the the inbuilt fan that inflates the costume fell out in the first 500 metres. So, um, But did you actually run? Yeah, I did actually run. It got very sweaty in that plastic costume, I can tell you. So started out freezing, but yeah. I'm, I'm just about to head down the gauntlet of anniversaries. In the next couple of months, literally, if, I, if, if not every week, it's at least every second week, I will be at an anniversary until September, between now and September. So there's going to be a lot of cake and there's going to be a lot of costumes and I cannot wait. Great. We'll have something to talk about. Look forward to some pics on Instagram. There will be pics. Can't wait. See you next week.